Hi, I'm John Smith. Welcome to Kingdom Real. Got an exciting episode for you to watch because I have my longtime dear, dear friend, Avon Jameson. So glad you're here. So glad to be here. Wow, this is going to be fun. <laughs> okay, it I is. hope so. This is going to be fun. <laughs> Guaranteed. You say so. Guaranteed. All right. So, well, why don't we start out, um, share a little bit where you grew up and what your family of origin was like. Okay. Uh, I grew up in St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands. Okay. Uh, my mom was from Puerto Rico, and my dad and his family were all pretty much from St. Thomas in that area. Um, every variety from French to Spanish to you name it. When I did my ancestry, I was like shocked. I had no idea. Um, but it was interesting because then you really saw a lot of different people, a lot of different cultures but it never occurred to me that it was anything but my family, you know, mm -hmm. and the people around. Also, the islands, <coughs> the islands has just been bought by the United States from Denmark just less than 30 years before I was born. So the culture was really interesting. Uh, my grandmother made foods from the Danes and from the islands, and so it was just a combination. I learned all different foods, different cultures, got used to things that normally, if I had just been born here in the States, I may not have had that opportunity. So it, it was an interesting time. I, uh, I grew up as Catholic. My mom was the only one who was Catholic. but I, So I was brought up as Catholic, but my grandfather, my paternal grandfather, um, all of his side of the family were Lutheran. And then my grandmother, all of her side of the family were Anglican or you know, Episcopalian, sure, yeah. and I could go wherever, and they would take me to different churches. I went to Lutheran Vacation Bible School, and so it, it was really, when I think about it now, I was bored to death there, by the way. I couldn't wait to leave. <laughs> Uh, because there really wasn't a whole lot to do back at the time when I was growing up. You could go to the movie or you could go to the beach. And that was the extent of, that was it, wow. you know. Um, and I could only go to the movie if it was the right movie. And, you know, mm -hmm. it was like. And, uh, and my grandfather had a retail, like a general store, which was for just the locals. It had everything from soap to paint to fabric to you name oh, wow. it. It was just one of those places. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up behind the counter and meeting people. So it was really, it, my growing up was a good experience. And I appreciate it more now than I did, you did then. <laughs> <laughs> By a long shot. I couldn't wait to get out of there. I would count the days, the hours, because yeah. I just wanted to go someplace else. Someplace else. Wow. Yeah. So as you reflect back on it, if you had to pull out one or two memories that just stick with you, like, oh, that was a really good time. What comes to mind? Well, from my growing up years, listening to baseball games with my dad. Oh. He was a Brooklyn Dodger fan. And he and I would sit and listen on the radio to the Brooklyn Dodgers. And to this day, I love baseball. Um, that was one of the, the really great memories. Uh, let's see. Uh, then, I guess probably... Um, when I was leaving to go to school, I was really excited about that because, um, well, before that, um, one of my cousins, or my dad's cousins, lived in Detroit, and he was an electrical inspector for the city of Detroit. And so they came to visit, and they convinced me, I guess, 
between my sophomore and junior year yeah. to come and stay with them for the summer in Detroit. And so I actually came up here and he took me around to various schools and things like that. Oh, wow. And so that was a great experience. I got to go to tennis camp. Um, my dad always played tennis and I would kind of dabble with it, but I really learned the game. And so it would, so when I think of things like that in those years, those were, wow. were really, um, were really happy times. And then after that, probably one of my happiest experiences was being baptized in the Jordan River. Oh, wow. When we went mm-hmm. to Israel, that was, to me, awesome. And Sue was there trying to take our pictures, and yes. <laughs> it, was, it was so much fun. Yeah. And I, I couldn't remember. I have to say this. I was laughing at Brad because it was too cold, <laughs> and the water was too cold. It was he like didn't April, want, he, it? Yeah. he didn't want to go in the water, <laughs> and Sue was like, get in there. <laughs> so, yes. But it was fun. I yeah. have that picture in my office. <laughs> yeah, sitting yeah. up on top. But yes, yeah, that was that was amazing, and yeah. wonderful. If I could just go back for a minute, okay. you grew up listening to baseball on the radio, right? Compared to watching it on TV or at the stadium, in your experience, were the announcers able to describe it in such a way you could visualize what was happening compared to watching it? Any thoughts on that? Absolutely. They were great. Back at that time, when they described the game, you saw it. Yeah. And, I mean, I could I played a little softball, you know, in school and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So I kind of knew, you know, how the game kind of was set up that way. But, yeah, no, they could explain it. And to be, I mean, we still, I still love to go. I won't say we. He, he, Brad, he just kind of, kind of, you know, <laughs> just helps me along. And he goes like, okay, I'll go with you. But um, so I still like to go to the ballpark and mm-hmm. I like to watch on TV. But honestly, I had the biggest kick because I could do it with my dad. And uh, that was, and that was, and I, I saw the game. I actually, yeah. I could tell you the entire game. Yeah. And now when people say baseball is boring, I watch the game like I'm managing it. Ah. I tell people, I said, that's the way, that's the fun way to watch the game without sitting there going, okay, is he going to hit a home run now? Yeah. You know, whatever. Because for me, defense is awesome. I love the defenders. Some of my mm-hmm. favorite players are the defenders. Wow. Because then I can just, I actually yep. watch the game like I'm the manager down there. and I That's can, cool. Yeah, so that's but my... But you also had that father-daughter bond yeah. going on, which yeah. is really, yeah. really precious. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, that was good. Well, then on the flip side of that, those are some of the wonderful memories. Yeah. Think of a time in your life that was dark, painful, difficult. What was going on then? I think probably when that question is asked, most people will think of September 11th. Because I was downtown Manhattan and I was really close by. Um, But honestly, even though that was a dark time, um, it was also a time when I saw the best in people. Yes. Because once, you know, the, the whole event had happened, I saw people come together. I saw them willing to share their phones, their juice, their anything. They, as we walked down the street, people would try yeah. to hand us things. And so it was, you know, a lot of people think of New Yorkers as being cold and indifferent. I saw New York City at its best. Hmm. So, you know, so the two things kind of go together. So it's, was, so it's not the darkest time. Okay. The darkest time <clears throat> was when Brad fell. And when Brad was ill, 
that to me was the darkest time because that was almost three years of him being in and out of the hospital with you know surgeries and this and is things. recent and this is recent this yeah. is going back that happened at the end of 2017 okay. and then um, really just really it was 2020 before he really got to the point where he was more him actually a little bit longer than that that you know he started to become mm-hmm. a little bit more of himself um, and there's a lot of it that he doesn't remember which is probably good sure yeah but the hardest thing for me was to go through that that time because that was when um, I was just concerned for him. Sure. That was really my focus. Nothing else was important. And you almost feel helpless. It, well, you're totally helpless yeah. because, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not. And mm-hmm. so it was just a matter of trying to figure out, okay, now, you know, what what's next? Wow. So, thinking about that, as you go back, how did you respond? What was going on inside you? Well, I'll tell you that I believe I was prepared for that time. Okay, Okay. tell me more about that. I think that God prepared me for that time. My father was an epileptic, so I had seen seizures, and I knew what that was like. That was a pretty daily, almost routine for me. Hmm. Because he was never really under full control. I mean, he'd never, he'd never gotten the right medications or whatever yeah. to be that. So when he started having seizures, I knew what they were like. I, it didn't panic me. I didn't like it, but it didn't panic oh, me. Wow, that's amazing. And I also, just because of the work that I had done, and you know, I was doing mergers and all kinds of things when I was working uh, at Chase, it prepared me for being... Um, not afraid to ask questions, hmm. being willing to stand up and mm-hmm. not back down when things were being yeah. looked really kind of weird. I had no problem with asking a doctor for another answer, and if they didn't give it to me, I would go find somebody else to ask. You know, I Good didn't stop that. But I realized that God had done all those things and worked in my wow. life in all these ways to prepare me for that time. Hmm. So that was, you know, um, and I would drive up. If I didn't stay at the hospital, the drive from where we live to the hospital was on the highway, probably close to a half hour, maybe, okay. you know, but depends on traffic. And all during that time, I would put um, a Christian radio was on. So mm-hmm. I would be driving and listening and there was one song, and I wish I had thought to go get it, but it was—it had something to do with "Look for the Miracle," okay. and I, I can't remember the exact. I, I should have done that and kind of been, been able to say it. Then you could have sung it. To but me. oh no, I, <laughs> you don't want that. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. But I—but that song just kind of stuck. And there were other things, friends of ours that really. We had one friend and um, Mary would she would call me and say okay what do you need and she was working in the city in uh, phoenix and so she couldn't be running back and forth but she'd say what do you need and i say well you know if i could get somebody to have lunch with him so that i could whatever or to be here at this mm-hmm. point so she would make a schedule and every day she would just call up she would wow. say give, give me a list of people that i can call yeah and she would call and she had a list and then she would say to me okay monday and this time this person will be there 
And so it helped me to be able to run and run an errand, to go home and take a shower sometimes, yeah. wow, anything. But I had so many friends that really just stepped in to help him eat because he mm -hmm. couldn't use his hands at one point. Um, to just be there to talk to him so that I could do something else. And so the, there were just people that God used to just enter into my life at that point wow. and just be, you know, hands and feet and just be real friends. I mean, a lot of them are like my family. I mean, they truly are my family. Yeah. Um, and um, But God prepared me all the way. And I, you know, you see all these things usually not when it's happening, but mm -hmm. sort of and as you go back in yep. retrospect. Um, yeah, but that was kind of what got me through wow. that. That's amazing. So as I listen to that, you have your dark story, 9-11. Yeah, right. And then your darker story, Brad Falls. And right. goes through all that. In both situations, it sounds like you were able to see the best in people. Yeah. And that is the wonderful part of it. You know, there's just things that, like from the 9-11 portion, I can just remember there was one of the guys that we'd been friends for ages and... You know, he's known Brad and myself for, and he, he worked on a different floor and in the middle of all of this with us, and we didn't know what was really going on because it was really hard to get a good picture. And I was in, in the office and he came down and he walked in my office and he said, would you pray with me? He says, because I don't know what to say. Hmm. And so I just held him and the two of us and I prayed out loud. You know that every year from that point forward, he contacts me on that day and says, I remember. Wow. And this way, because it gave that extra, except he knew that he needed to pray. He knew he needed to do something. Mm -hmm. He just couldn't get the words out of his mouth. And God just gave me the words to come out of my mouth that day. So there was this, all these little things you know that but yes I saw the best in people in mm -hmm. both situations mm -hmm. and that is what helped me mm -hmm. because I never felt like I was alone I knew that God was always there yep. but sometimes you need skin yes and yep. uh, that you know and I had a lot of skin I had a lot of friends that were just awesome you know mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah it was all good yeah so and in both those situations, you found yourself in darkness. Yeah. Like after 9-11, you couldn't yeah. see anything. Yeah. And so God's guiding you through the darkness. And then Brad goes through this really dark, can't see your way. Yeah. He's there guiding you each step yeah. of the way. Each step. Bringing people along at the right time. Yeah. And also using you to encourage others along the way. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It, it was, you know... It's really hard, but I, I just, like I said, I think that the way that I was brought up, the things that I did, um, you know, Brad talked about the fact that we lived in the Middle East for a couple of years, yeah. and every single bit of the experience I felt was a learning experience for me. Hmm. Um, you know, it was learning other cultures so that you have a better understanding. Mm -hmm. So now when people go like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I hate these, you know, this particular group of people or whatever, it's like, it's not everybody. You right. know, yes, there are 
some bad people and really there's some bad people everywhere, but there are also good people everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I was able to see that and that was and that was a real learning experience for me. Yeah. So I, I just felt like I was blessed. I mean, I just, uh, yeah, uh, it was, it's been, it's been, wow. it's been interesting life for me. That's fantastic. So, so if you reflect on your life and you just think like, what really makes a bond come alive? What? something really significant that breathes life into you well there's there's two things I love worship music I just ah. love it I can just sit there and listen and if I really feel down um, just that when we go to worship those three or, or so you know pieces of worship music that start off mm-hmm. I always tell folks I never want to be late because ah. that is to me I mean I can listen to the message at home I mean I can tune mm-hmm. it on I can you know go into from the app and I can listen but there's something about just celebrating at that time so that's really a big thing uh, for me um, I love to be with friends I love to be able to entertain I hadn't done that for years when I was working I had no time I was you know so commuting. how early did was, you start? Huh? How early did you start With when what? you were working? When I was working, I got up at 4 o'clock. I had a 509 train out of Brentwood, uh, New York, where we lived. And uh, so that was my start. And then the day would end. Sometimes I wouldn't be home until 10 o'clock at night, thereabouts. Um, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't really have time. I had Sundays. There were times when, you know, because of the things that I did at church, mm-hmm. there were days when I got off the train and just stepped on it and just flew, you know, out to Walked the church a for, meeting. for a yeah, meeting. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, uh, I'm there, you know. So, um, and you, that, you were and, committed. Yeah. And, well, it was a great time, too, because mm-hmm. I felt that um, God was using me yeah. also in a different way. He was. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, that's uh, breathing life into you and into others. And so as you think about your life, if you were to try to tell somebody this is the, I don't know, maybe your purpose, your calling, your mission in life, any thought on that? You know, one of the things that I do every morning, and it really was sort of more accentuated when Brad got sick because... Mm-hmm. I just really felt the need to do that. But every morning, first thing I do when I get up, I grab my cup of coffee and I do some devotions. And I take that time to pray and to speak to the Holy Spirit. Mm. That's where, if something, that's really an important thing for me. Because, and I think I've said this to you, I... My problem is that I talk too much and I don't <laughs> listen enough, you know. Okay. So I, I have to kind of force myself to shut up and say, okay, now listen to what the Spirit has to say back to you. But that is important to me. And I feel that if someone really, you know, kind of feels lost and they feel like they have no path, um, there's nothing like just sitting back and instead of just saying, you know what, I need this, I need that, or whatever. God knows you need all of those things. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mm-hmm. no, no secret there. Yeah. Um, the thing is to just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and mm-hmm. to lead you. 
and to tell you where you need to go or what you need to do. Or sometimes it's just a matter, sometimes the spirit is silent and just like, okay, you know, and sometimes it's because he knows my brain is racing around in a yeah. circle. Um, but to me, that is, if I have anything that anyone can do, I'll say just allow the spirit to speak to you. Awesome. He's given me a sense of discernment and we think we've talked about that, some of the things that mm -hmm. I can feel, I just know. Um, and, and, and people will say to me, well, how do you know that? I said, I can't tell you that, but I'm telling you that I just know this. You know? Right. And that's all the spirit. It's not me. It has nothing to do with me other than just listening. Well, as we wrap up our time, why don't you close with a message of hope to anybody who might be listening from any part of the world today. What would you say to somebody that might give them some hope? I think probably don't give up. I will sometimes, and I've had times where I see a lot of things happening and happening around me, and I see Satan kind of poking you know, his head into a lot of stuff that's happening to people and to the world and to this country, and um, I tend to get overly concerned about it. Hmm. And the thing that I need to always keep in mind is that God is in control and that he is the one that's going to uh, find the way through this. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and it's not for us. It's not for us to do because he loves us. That's all there is. And he is going to take care of it. And, you know, my, my thing is like, I wish you'd hurry up and I wish you'd tell me what you plan to do because then this way I wouldn't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. uh, but he doesn't and he shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, but if you just have hope and you have faith to know that God is in control and that if you just listen to the Spirit that you will be led to where you need to be and that's, uh, that's what I believe. That's great. Can I ask you the flip side of that? Okay. Have you ever had a situation where you were you were just putting your hope in God? You're trusting the whole thing. You believe it's going to turn out, and it didn't. I really haven't had a lot of those experiences. Okay. <clears throat> I I honestly, hmm, not really anything super important. I what had, would you say uh, to somebody that that's their story? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I figured all this oh, out. Yeah. I, I did the oh, thing. Yeah. I was in church every week. I yeah. read. I prayed. So like that. And I was hoping for this and hoping for this. And it didn't work out. Well, I had a big gap of time where that was the case. Uh, my dad was, was ill. He ended up going into a mental hospital and was it, through a number of years of that. And I tried everything I could to be able to get them to allow him to come to the States and be able to mm. be, to get treatment or whatever. And, you know, his sister and everybody, you know, they were like, well, no, he's got to be here and he's got... And I got to the point where for years I just gave up. And that was not the right thing to do, but mm. I just gave up because I thought, you know, nothing's going to happen. And I prayed about it and... Nothing is going to happen. But in the end of that, somewhere, and what I would say to folks is don't, yes, there are things that will happen that you you don't want to happen. Somebody will die that you've been praying to stay alive or something like that, mm -hmm. because that those things do happen. Yeah. Um, 
But you know what? I, I had given up. And then I'll never forget, I'm sitting in church one night at, at New Life, and uh, Jean Pogel did a, a, a message, and it was on Ephesians. And I don't quite remember, in it, but it was the prayer uh, of the Ephesians, and that, um, uh, that he will do, he uh, will do more than you could ever hope or imagine. Just, sit, just far, sit, beyond, yeah. far beyond mm-hmm. anything you can hope and imagine. Yeah. And I sat there and I says, God, you know, I've had years of praying for something to happen. Hasn't happened, but you know what? I'm just going to put it in your hands within days. I can't tell you days. I got a call that allowed that my father could come to the United States and spend. Wow. And he spent his last seven years there. Uh, you know, being in better condition, getting better mm-hmm. treatment and all of that. Um, so don't ever, I, you know, even if something that happens and, and, and he finally did pass away, you know, and but even if you get to the point where you're saying, you know, it didn't happen, you know, mm-hmm. I, something happened to, to my child or my spouse or whatever. The bottom line is something good always ends up coming from it whether it be in your character, whether it be mm-hmm. in your prayer life, whether it be in maybe somebody else in your family. But I honestly believe that we never, ever have nothing coming out of it. So has anybody ever called you a dreamer? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am about as realist as you can get. Okay. So okay, I, the dreamer part, nah. That's not you. <laughs> it's not me. It's so, not me. Um, has anybody called you goal-oriented? Yeah, I've, yes, I, I have had that, been, I have been called that. Okay, so at this point, you're in your golden years. Yep. Do you have any goals yet that you haven't achieved that you're like, boy, that's something I'm still going to be working toward? The only thing is, I know that I'm at the point of my life that even though I think, you know, I've read the Bible a number of times and all of that, I still don't think that I kind of know enough sometimes, accept enough, quickly enough. Okay. Um, and I just want to have that God will continue to increase my faith mm. so that I don't you know, do what I did with my dad and just say, you know, it's never going to happen and mm-hmm. kind of throw it off because yeah. I know that it, that it can and I know it will. Um, I, it may not be exactly the way I want it mm-hmm. to turn out, yep. but I know that somewhere along the line, God's going to do something good for me. That's cool. So if your pastor happened to watch this podcast, this episode, what would you like to say to your pastor? Oh boy. <laughs> I I absolutely love the church that, that we are at now. We're at, we're at Sun Valley Community Church. Um, and I just believe that their mission and what they're doing is truly biblical and it, it, it just responds to the Bible and they are following the Spirit to do the best that they can do. And that is all that God requires, that mm-hmm. you are following his word mm-hmm. and allowing the spirit to lead you as you guide your your, your flock. And, and um, so um, 
keep going. Awesome. <laughs> You're That's doing great. good. <laughs> That's great. Every pastor needs a little encouragement. Yeah. And so. Well, you provided that for me for many years. Mm-hmm. Okay. And even when I, I can remember one time, and this, I'm finally running out of time, but I can remember one time when I was like angry. I was so mad. You probably don't even remember that. I don't. I know. And I walked into your office. I wasn't mad at you. Okay. I was mad at some stuff that was going on. And it was something personal. And I walked into your office and I just said, I am so angry at God. I'll never forget that. <laughs> and you just looked at me and you laughed and you said, and you think he doesn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> and he can handle it, you know, and you listen to what I have to say. And you didn't, you know, you, you know, you didn't allow me to stay in my pity party. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll never forget that you said, and you think he doesn't know it. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. You are welcome. Well, this has been delightful. Thank you for sharing your life, your story. And I know you're going to bless some people and God's going to use this to bring life, hope, and encouragement to many people. I hope so. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. You're welcome. Well, I'm John Smith. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Kingdom Real. We look forward to seeing you again real soon. Bye-bye.